hey, hey, what's up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, home of your weekly NBA update on the Slabstocks Podcast Network. Hey, if you enjoyed this program and you haven't done so already, go over to slabstocks.com or the Slabstocks Instagram page and figure out a way to subscribe to our daily newsletter. I'm hoping that you're learning a lot from these podcasts, and I think you're going to learn a lot from those emails as well, and you'll actually be able to get in on some eBay deals just by subscribing. You can find out about some prices which are lower than they should be and when you should be buying. You can stand to make a lot of money if you keep regular tabs on those investor emails. For instance, the other day, Gary V tweeted out the population reports for various baseball players, showing that based on pop reports and a couple other things, Cody Bellinger was massively undervalued. And Gary V was absolutely right, and I'm glad he brought attention to that. A lot of people jumped at that advice and bought his 2017 Tops Update PSA 10s for around $150, which really does seem like a steal. As it happens, those cards are now up about 60% since he tweeted that out, and that is all well and good. Nothing wrong there. His analysis is exactly correct, and Bellinger is still in prime position to skyrocket this season. But if you had been subscribed to Slabstock's emails and making use of Nate's podcast, you would have been buying those cards three weeks ago when Aaron and Nathan were literally begging you to buy them at $50, which was an absolute theft at the time. If you'd listened then, you would have gained 380% on those investments as of today, and you'd be in great shape moving forward. If you missed out, hey, that happens. But it will happen less if you make use of all the offerings that Slabstocks puts out on a daily basis. So do so for yourself, and if you have someone in your life that you love, tell them to subscribe as well. All right, moving on to NBA action. You know, I think I kind of get a bit negative on these podcasts sometimes, and I apologize if that is the case. I really try to not be, and I'm generally not really that negative of a person, to be honest. But when I start talking about the NBA and individual players, I tend to get pretty negative. And I think that's because I'm dealing with the reality of just extreme overreaction on a daily basis with NBA news. The NBA media will pounce on every little story or trend because that is what draws eyes. But then as consumers, we tend to jump all in on guys that we really have no business doing so. So what is helping the media's wallets is actually going to be hurting yours because you're going to be jumping on trends that shouldn't really exist. And I really try to guard myself against this recency bias, and so some of my podcasts tend to come off a bit negative against that overreaction. To illustrate how I usually think about individual players and whether they're a good buy or a good sell or a good hold, I want to consider the most recent Milwaukee Bucks game when they fell to the Miami Heat 105-89. to After that game, or since that game, there's been lots of talk about how the Heat exposed the Bucks, how they have the blueprint for beating the Bucks, yada, yada, yada. And the Heat are a good team, and they're definitely going to be formidable for the Bucks in the playoffs, but let's not lose sight of what actually happened in that game. The Heat on the season have the second highest three-point percentage in the league at 38%, making just over 13 threes per game. The Bucks make almost 14 threes a game and are a bit worse percentage-wise, sitting at 36% from deep. But in that one game, the Heat shot nearly 49% from deep, 11% better than their season, making 18 threes, while the Bucks shot 20%, which is 16% worse than regular, while only hitting seven threes on the game. This was a major outlier game on both sides, which is extremely rare to happen in the same game. You know, outliers happen somewhat regularly, but for double outliers like that to happen in the same game, it's extremely rare. For instance, last year in 1,230 NBA games, 
that type of contest only occurred 35 times. So when the media is saying that the blueprint to beating the Bucks is out, they're really just saying that the blueprint is to have one of the best shooting nights of the year and force the Bucks to have one of the worst. And that's just not a blueprint. That's just a one-off. If we only look at what happened, we will be certain to overreact. But if we look at why these things are happening, well, then we can approach the NBA and specifically NBA card investing much more intelligently and we stand a profit. All of this is a long lead up to talking about Kobe White. I spoke about him last week. He was riding the hottest three-game stretch in the league at the time last Wednesday, and I said I was probably going to use that as an opportunity to sell. Now, I do not hate Kobe White. I actually like a lot of things about him. He always shoots well against my bucks. Plus, he's got cool hair. But when a guy's cards gain 240% almost overnight on the back of three unsustainable shooting nights, that's a clear sell high for me. Not that you have to cut bait on him long term, but he's not going to keep that up. So in a perfect world, you sell then, you profit, and then if you want to buy back when the prices are cut in half in the offseason, you just do it. Or if you have multiple raw silvers lying around, you sell half, you make a nice profit, and you keep the rest for long term. But after I recorded last week, Aaron posted a graph of his cards on Slabstock on the Slabstock's Instagram page the next day, and it became our most liked post ever, and so many of the comments were, this is actually a buying opportunity. Or someone said, if you think this is a sell, then you clearly don't know basketball. Um, what? Why would we be buying on his hottest three games of the season? Before that small hot streak, he was shooting 33% from deep over 56 games. And in four games, he shot 56% from deep, and the prices skyrocketed. Don't fall into this reactionary mindset. You know, the same people that say these things were buying last week, and they'll be selling in a month when his shooting drops back down to earth along with his card prices. And that's just no way to invest. But I don't think I need to be dwelling on this much more because you're listening to this podcast, which probably means that you're quite a bit smarter than most people when it comes to sports card investing. Don't react to the box score. Just look at why the box score is the way it is and then zig when other people are zagging and then retire early on all of your on all of your gains. His raw silvers are still going for over $70 an auction. So this is still a good selling opportunity, in my opinion. If you want to buy in the offseason, do it. Just sell now while they're so high. And part of the reason I was saying sell Kobe White last week was because, as I've talked about ad nauseum before, I just don't trust the Bulls, and I particularly don't trust Jim Boylan to develop their young players well at all. Case in point, Wendell Carter Jr., who came into the season with pretty big expectations, but both Boylan's offense and his defensive structure have kind of robbed him of every glimmer of star power that we saw last year. He's never really been in very high demand on the card market, but his Prism Silver Rookie Card PSA 10s have dropped about 35% from where they were this time last season. Uh, currently, they're sitting right around $50, which is kind of rock bottom for most PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie Cards. Now, on top of all this, Wendell Carter came out the other day and said that he wants to play power forward moving forward instead of playing center. He is only six foot nine, but he does have a seven foot five wingspan. And in today's NBA, he is an ideal center, and he is far from an ideal power forward. But he evidently doesn't realize this, and I'm not sure the Bulls will realize that either. He plans on trying to change his position before next season, and I would not be shocked if the Bulls went along with this, which would hurt his value, and it would hurt Laurie Markkinen as well. And so again, 
I'm just pretty much staying away from Bulls players for a while. Until they make some major changes up and down their leadership, I think you just need to keep your distance. If you're already sitting on some uh, Wendell Carter Silvers, you could try and sell, but you're really not gaining much. So I guess maybe you should just hold and consider your position a loss until the day when things hopefully turn around. Well, last week, I also talked about Cam Reddish, and I heard some feedback from a few of you that his teammate DeAndre Hunter has actually been playing better than Reddish, which I'm not denying now, nor did I then. I merely said that I liked Reddish a bit more moving forward. Now, since the All-Star break, Reddish hasn't been setting the world on fire by any stretch, but he's been playing well enough to merit some attention, and diving into his season so far, he's shown incremental improvements almost across the board each month, and that's what we're looking for in a rookie. You know, not every guy is Zion or John Morant or Luca or Trey Young. You know, the rest of these guys, particularly in a shallow class like this one, we just want to see who can steadily improve, and then those are the guys that I feel better about moving forward. Hunter, for instance, he shot 39% from deep to start the season, then 31%, then just under 31%, then 46%. He's been just all he's been just all over the place, and his shooting varies wildly from game to game. He has not shown steady improvement on either side of the ball so far this year. So while I think Hunter has been better, I, I definitely agree with that, I kind of still like Reddish more moving forward. I stand to be wrong on both of these players, and I can live with that if I am, but I just want you to know what I'm looking for in young guys who really just haven't impressed all that much. Now, one thing we do need to make note of, which is kind of just going to throw everything I just said out the window. Cam Reddish, Raw Prism Silvers, are regularly auctioning right now for over $40. And DeAndre Hunter Raw Prism Silvers are auctioning for around $17 and even down to $11 over the past few days. I like Reddish a bit more moving forward, but I don't like him twice as much as I like DeAndre Hunter. So at these prices, maybe you should be snatching up some DeAndre Hunters. But that's probably only if you have some money to burn. If you're like me and you're pretty budget conscious and you're looking for more of a sure thing, I would probably not be looking at either of these guys. I do like Reddish a bit more, but I like Hunter a bit more at his current prices. I know that was all confusing. Let's move on to something less confusing. Zion Williamson. We ended our last topic with uh, talking about budget consciousness, and that is just the worst segue to go into Zion Williamson. Now, I haven't talked about him at all since his debut, mostly because I don't know what I can say that hasn't already been said. You know, I love Zion so much. He's got the game. He's got the marketability of an absolute generational star. And he's also one of these guys where the prices are just so outlandish that we have to wonder if he's overpriced. But you know what? I know it's only been 16 games, but this guy is the future of the league. His last eight games, he scored 25, 35, 24, 29, 28, 25, 32, 31 points. He has not scored in single digits for a single game yet, and he just came back from a long-term injury to start his career. He's plus 13.8 points per 100 possessions in an on-off differential, which is nearly double his next closest teammate. Do not hesitate to invest in Zion right now if you can afford it. He's absolutely on the trajectory to be a top-tier generational star. And if you've been tracking what's going on with Giannis rookies or LeBron rookies lately, that is in the future for Zion as well. Prism, Optic, Select, which just came out today, 
you have to be buying anything you can afford and hold on to it because it's all going to be climbing up steadily for the next 15 years. I love this guy. Now, I really, I really cannot afford to be buying his cards. I just don't have that type of paycheck coming in. And maybe you don't either. But even if you cannot, I would still encourage you to turn on a Pelicans game if you're able. And I hope you can really just enjoy watching him too, especially at this young stage in his career before he becomes uh, one of the absolute upper echelon players in the league. Turn him on, enjoy him now. And if you can afford him, buy him now. And you're going to profit a lot. And speaking of exciting young players that I really like a lot, Michael Porter Jr., has really not done much over the past couple of weeks. If you recall back to January when he rode that hot streak of games, I think it was January 15th, January 18th, somewhere in there, after that couple of games, his card skyrocketed, and he was the most exciting young player in basketball. Now, something I love even more than Michael Parter Jr. or Zion Williamson, I love it when I'm right about something. Because oftentimes when you put your thoughts out there on Instagram, you'll have half a dozen guys telling you how much of an idiot you are because maybe you should try watching the game for a change. Well, guess what? At the time I said that he wasn't going to be getting those minutes when his teammates got healthy. I said he would probably lose his minutes because he was playing for Mike Malone, who likes to play vets and likes defense more than offense. So I said at the time, in conclusion... It was not a buying opportunity, but you should be waiting and you'd find a better buying opportunity in the future when those things came about. A lot of people told me that I was wrong, that that was the lowest he was ever going to be. Unshockingly, I was 100% correct. And not because I'm a genius by any stretch. Simply because of the reality of his situation on the Nuggets team, these things were obvious. It was clearly going to be a short-lived little burst for him. Now, I still love, love, love Michael Porter Jr. moving forward. And I think starting next year, we're really going to see this guy rapidly trending upward. And so now is probably as good of a time as any to buy. Or if you can wait for the offseason, then obviously you should be buying in the offseason as well. In the middle of January, at his narrative peak, his raw, his raw silvers were auctioning at $94. His PSA 10s auctioning for $230. Now his raws are sitting at $60. PSA 10s auctioning around $177. So that's a loss of 36% and 23% in just about a month and a half. Now the player hasn't changed. The future outlook hasn't changed. It's just that people tend to get overreactionary about things. They're idiots, and you are not that. So right now, he's not getting minutes. Malone is being rather stubborn about not playing him, but that's just not going to continue next season. So you, listening to this podcast right now, very intelligent people, I think you need to be jumping on board however much you are able right now and in the summer, and you're going to be profiting starting next year. Hey, while I'm stoking my own ego over here, after the trade deadline, I said that I would be buying Malik Beasley and that I, I wouldn't be so quick to jump on board with D'Angelo Russell. I think I said I'd be comfortable buying Russell in the short term, but that I didn't think Russell was going to be a Minnesota darling for very long and that I liked Beasley quite a bit more. In their game so far in Minnesota, Beasley has averaged 21 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and is shooting 43% from 3-point land on 9 attempts per game. He's been really good. Russell's been about the same counting stats-wise, 24 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists, while shooting a little worse, but shooting 38% from 3 on almost 10 attempts per game, which is still good. 
So they've both been good in the counting numbers, but Beasley has been quite a bit better at actually bringing wins to the team and not just building up his own counting stats. In their short time, he's been a plus 2.1 in offense on, on off on-off differential, while Russell's been negative 6.4 points. So the Timberwolves have been quite a bit better when Russell's been on the bench. And that's who both of these players have always been. But Russell got such a huge boost last year from backing into that all-star spot, and he's, and he's probably just not an all-star caliber guard moving forward. So I would still rather be buying Beasley than Russell, and I might even wait for a big game from Russell and then try selling him. A Beasley optic hollows are really the only thing available for him at the moment, and you know, still just not going for a ton, but they are sitting around $15 right now on auction, which is up from the $5 they were at when he was initially traded. So not really exciting for most of you, but maybe some of you would enjoy that. Russell's most recent Prism Silver PSA 10 auction appears to have gone for $152, although uh, recently they have been going for $200 post-trade deadline. So there's obviously a big difference there in those couple of auctions. But if he has a big game and you have a PSA 10 Prism Silver and you can sell it for around $200, I think you have to do that. You know, for instance, just to compare, Shea Gilgis Alexander Prism Silver PSA 10s have been going for around $250 all the way up to $300 in that range anyways. And I'd much rather buy him at that price than Russell at where he's currently going. So if you can sell Russell for a good deal over the next couple of months, I think you do it and don't look back. Last guy I want to talk about, and speaking of guys that I'd be selling immediately, I'm not sure how much longer Kyle Kuzma can maintain his status as a good young NBA player. He is not good, but that's kind of what he's known as. But he's really actually been quite bad. He's down over the course of the year. Most recent auction of his Prism Silver PSA 10 rookie card went for $130, and they did start out the season at about $180. But he's still way overpriced, and you need to cut bait before the Lakers fan base turns on him. He's benefited quite a bit from playing for the Lakers and the popularity that comes along with that. But over the year, the Lakers have been worse with him on the court than on the bench. And over his last 10 games, he's only averaging 10 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. He's only shooting 42% from the field and only just a terrible 18% from 3. He's just not good. And he's not selling like a star by any means, but he's still probably selling for twice what he will be in a year. So I'd be selling all day and night if you're still sitting on him. All right, that's all I have time for. I really want to thank you for tuning in and listening. If you have any friends that are in the industry, tell them about Slab Stocks, tell them about our, about our podcasts and our email subscriber list, and help them out too. That's just what good friends do for each other. All right, thanks again.